Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So he was introduced to Christian uh, at Red Bull, went up to him and he was just like, Hey, Pepe, how you doing? Because they were sponsored by Pepe James. <laughs> oh, my days. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast, the greatest podcast in the world. It's the last episode of the season, guys. Yep, season finale. And we've got a very special guest. We're taking it right back to the beginning where we started with our first ever guest being the last of the season. It's Will Buxton. Hello, boys. Yeah! (laughs) Round of applause! I'm at your house. This is weird. This is really cool. You nice ma- gaff, you made by it the way. back on. Thank oh, you mate. so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. What a year you boys have had. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a wild year. We're definitely getting to that. Who have thought? At yeah, the start, I know. You know, I know. I could be sitting here with a Valtteri Bottas tattoo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wish. I yeah, wish. I'm not. Jake never got his Schumacher tattoo. No, I, need to, I still need to get that. It was really expensive because I wanted to get his actual face, and someone said 500 pound for a portrait of his face. I was like, 500 pounds. There, well. there is an old saying, cheap tattoos are rarely good. <laughs> good tattoos are rarely cheap. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm waiting until we get paid and I'll, I'll, get a good, <laughs> I'll get a good Schumacher tattoo. Do you not think it would have been funnier if it was awful? Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you ever hear, um, do you know Dave Gorman, the comedian? Yeah, the old bloke. Is, is he? <laughs> it's not, I mean, I, don't he's know kind of, I think he's like I a few, few years no. older than me. Um, um, he, he had this brilliant thing. He did a couple of series where he went around the world doing challenges and stuff. And he found himself, I, I think, in Austin, Texas. Mm. And he wasn't let into a bar because he didn't have ID on him. Because you know how Americans are about ID. You can be 50, but if you don't have ID, you ain't coming in. Yeah. So he thought it'd be a really good idea. He took himself to a tattoo parlor on the street and got a texas id tattooed on his arm <laughs> and the picture of him is so bad <laughs> you don't know it's him and he had a big ginger beard at the time which he's subsequently shaved off so it looks nothing like him and it's there permanently plastered on his arm yeah, they're they're that's what you need a terrible mick schumacher tattoo you forget they're permanent i swear every time someone gets a tattoo they never actually think too far forward <laughs> in the future i've got enough bad tattoos to remember they're permanent like yeah hang on you've got some tattoos i've got quite a few tattoos you told us but none of them are bad um okay. <laughs> yeah 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 no, i love tattoos love them got a few more this year one on my wrists actually that one was last year on my arm were there any points this season you were worried about Valtteri winning never in doubt mate there was a few he was qualified all right and i was every time i'd say to fab this could be the week, this could be the week. <laughs> Stop so, there were a few moments where i was like god why did you make that bet why did you make that bet but i think it was pretty it was pretty safe i think we only actually saw you once this year didn't we with silverstone oh, we, i think we saw each other a lot we saw you in barca saw you in imola 
Did you? Yeah, but you boys was like you boys have been so busy. We've crossed paths so many times this year, but I've been hurtling off to do an yeah. interview with somebody mm. and you've been hurtling off to do an interview with somebody and it's been it's been mad. You're just part of the furniture now, boys. That's right. it. Like you're there so often. It's great. It's nice to hear that from you. I was saying to Jake last <laughs> night on the balcony, like, we've done our rookie season now. Yeah. Like we're not newbies anymore. No, no. That's it gets serious now. Mm. No excuses. I think it was February the twenty fourth this year that we did had you on the pod wow i think it was around then and we're sat in our middle room we did it over zoom and i'll be honest when we did it probably about eight eight percent of the stuff you said we didn't even understand <laughs> wait, where, where are you at now 75 <laughs> when you were talking about stuff about f1 like over zoom it's harder as well because you can't yeah. just stop them and get into conversation yeah yeah, yeah but now yeah, we've yeah. actually got you here you've drove down no oh, pleasure mate it's lovely to be i think you're in the part of town where Stanley Kubrick actually filmed uh, Full Metal Jacket. Re- no. Yeah, because he really? never left the UK after a certain date because he got scared of flying. So he filmed pretty much everything in the UK. So the whole of Full Metal Jacket, if you look at like the training scenes, they're all left-hand drive markings on the road, oh, so they're not way. actually in America. Oh, and wow. all the bits that were supposed to be Vietnam and the big final battle in Hue was filmed in Beckton Gasworks. Oh, wait, that's so, actually really cool. Yeah, it's really cool because it looked, it looked like a bombed out city at the right. time that they that they filmed it and he flew in loads of palm trees and they planted them all and then just blew the thing up and it's where oasis filmed the video for do you know what i mean <laughs> they're actually it's, it's everything it's, it's not just formula one i've got i have a i have a huge knowledge of what happened what went down at beckton gasworks That's <laughs> <laughs> they're actually filming some for netflix over here right now we've got a notice it drive to survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're gonna be here in 10 minutes no, next year's the year for us to get on drive survive well, yeah, they have filmed us a little bit, haven't they? Oh, yeah, that's it. Fab actually filmed for Drive Survivor. Did you actually? Did. Well, not we filmed were doing, for um, it. We were doing like, like George, uh, Checo and Alban on this balcony in Vegas. And I, I was doing it and quite nervous anyway. But then Jake showed me back a clip and there's a fucking DTS mic over my head. Amazing. They get everywhere. You don't even realise they're, they're there. And then you stop talking and you're like, oh, shit. That's <laughs> what I'm worried about. What have I said? We only, we've been in the paddock a fair few times and been around people and we've only seen the camera once, but there's probably multiple they times. They move around under the radar. You don't you, really know. No, you don't, you don't know they're there. No. And that's the thing. Sometimes they'll catch like a little conversation here, a little conversation. Oh, like that bit with Seb and, and Christian in the last series where Christian's like, take a year out and then come home. I, how did they get like, they were there <laughs> just for that little moment, that little piece of brilliance that just opens up an entire potential storyline of yeah. oh, could Seb have gone back to Red Bull? Mm. You know, and at the time because they thought Albon was was going to stay, and then obviously they didn't renew with Albon and Checo got the drive. But you're like, oh my god, like it could have happened. Yeah, it could have yeah. gone back. It's have it's you been crazy. filming Drive to Survive this year? Yep, all the way through the year. It's been so good you've fun. been sitting in the room and doing your Sit, camera yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, have to make sure I bring I bring my. Uh, my top, the same top to every race, oh, just, yeah. in, just in case, you know, there's some time and I get called in to do an interview. So I'm always wearing the same oh, they top. they do it at the race? That's interesting. I was going to say, when I thought they'd do it at the end of the year. No, no. Well, you, we do do one at the end of the year to like tie up any loose ends. Last 24 hours um, with all of the team boss chat, I'll probably have to go in again and talk about that <laughs> because we literally just finished doing our last interview session of the season. Mm. And I came out of the room and it was like, you know, phones back on. Oh, by the way. Jost oh, Capito's really? left Williams and he's taken FX de Maison with him and, you know, it's all kicking course, off. And then yeah, the next yeah. morning, Fred's gone to Ferrari, bloody Seedle's left McLaren and you're like, this is nuts. So they'll cover that in this year's. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I, well, I'd imagine so. Yeah, I wasn't sure how it would end. They might have to biff off 
an episode about something else and then yeah. pull mm. this in because it's a huge like it's a, it's massive what's actually I have to ask oh right basically we're working on a movie at the moment we've been filming our whole year behind the scenes cool and no one knows about it so we've been editing that deep like we're deep in an edit it's a massive project so over the last couple of days I haven't even seen the news I've seen it all this morning all the pictures of everything. yeah so basically um Jos Capito has left Williams yeah. and he's taken FX to Maison who's the technical director he's gone with him so Williams now need a team principal and a technical director yeah <laughs> I, okay, I mean I fucking send, send your applications in uh, <laughs> I worked at KFC for three days <laughs> you actually did <laughs> done um, and, and the rumours were because he's got a big background with Volkswagen and uh, you know the VAG group, he'd be a natural fit at Audi. So everyone's thinking, oh, he's going to replace Vasseur when Vasseur mm. goes to Ferrari because it was an open secret that Fred yeah. was going to replace Binotto once Binotto quit. Next morning, sure enough, Alfa Romeo say, we'd like to thank Fred. It's been a wonderful journey. Fred's off to pastures new. So I was like, right, well, Ferrari are going to announce him. Ferrari do announce Fred. And then the big shock that no one was really expecting was... Seidel, Seidel, have you on pronounce Seagull. it? Adam, Seagull. Adam Seagull. Adam Seagull. Um, <laughs> uh, at McLaren, suddenly McLaren have said he's off. So Andrea Della Stella, who was, you know, like um, chief engineer, has been, you know, has been promoted all the way through the right. He's been in the sport two decades or more. Used to work with Michael Schumacher and then Fernando and blah, 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 blah. He's the natural successor. So he's the new team principal at McLaren. Okay. And Seidel's gone to Alfa Romeo slash Sauber to ultimately oil the cogs for the new takeover by Audi because he had this, you know, past with Porsche, which is part of the VAG group. Um, but he's become CEO, not team principal. So they've still I got to, that, yeah. Yeah. to team principal. So That's it's like... So, so Sauber mm, still need a team principal. So Sauber still need a team principal. Um, so it's all like everything got thrown up in the air. But apparently when Audi announced that they were coming back to Formula One, they went to Andreas as their first pick to be CEO. He told McLaren, look, I'm going to go to Audi. When my contract's up, I'm going to go in 26. But <laughs> McLaren, rather than just sort of sitting there and waiting and saying, well, you know, we know that he's leaving in three years' time, said, look, if you want to go now, go now with our blessing. You know, it's, it's all good and you can go. So they've, they've, they've let him go. Did they time all these announcements around the same time or was it just coincidence that it all kicked off in the same day or same couple of days? They'll usually speak to one another. Like a snowball. One's yeah. got to lead to the other. Exa you know? Exactly. Same as football like, transfers, really. And the driver market. Exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You just need that one domino. domino to fall and then all the others go duck, 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 and mm. everything falls into place. I don't know much about Vassour. To be honest. Fred? I don't know oh. a lot. I've heard that he's hilarious. Funny he's and we were going to have him on the pod. And I, probably not going to happen now, is it? He's might not Might not happen now. No. Um, I don't know. Fry's been really well, good this year in yeah. terms of like freeing yeah, people up. And, and like, Ferrari yeah, like us. And, 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 yeah. and you got to speak to both the boys as well, didn't you? You <laughs> yeah, had yeah, Carlos yeah. and Charlon. And... Yeah, look, Fred's super cool, right? And and he had a hard time at, at Alpha, you know, taking a team that was pretty much at the back and, and rejuvenating it. And he's turned the team around. You know, he's been primarily responsible for their turnaround, not just in competitiveness, but also in making them attractive to sponsors. And he's super fun. Most successful season in 12 years, eight years. For Salba. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> Throwing them back at you. Yeah. That. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> we're, we're pulling it down. 70% knowledge. You know. um, it's, it's, it's where Fred is brilliant and where Fred's really well known is in the junior formula. So Fred used to run a team called ASM, mm. which became ART. 
So they're in F3, F2. F2, all those junior championships, Formula Regional, everything like that. And over the last 20 years, he's won 21 team championships and 25 driver championships Damn. with ART. Oh, wow. He's like super successful. And, and he creates these amazing teams and everyone wants to work for him. And he just gives people purpose and you know responsibility and can just draw so much out of them. So he's seen as this brilliant team boss um time will tell whether he gets the job done at ferrari because he had a stint running renault but ultimately there was him and there was cyril and there was a kind of fight to see who'd end up on top and cyril won the political fight mm -hmm. and ferrari is 10 times the political yeah. hot mess that renault is so time will tell whether he can create something you know solid at ferrari but last time ferrari had a french team boss was Jean Tot, and they went on that unbelievable run of championship success with Michael Schumacher. So yeah. maybe not having an Italian in charge, having someone who's a little bit separate from the politics will actually be a really positive thing for Ferrari. Mm. And, and Fred's wicked. He's super cool. Like, I think that's a big part of it. I think having that, just that smile on your face every day when you go into yeah, work, yeah. it's just going to make the whole team want to work for you. Totally. I don't know what Bonotto was like, but when I said hello to him once and he looked at me and then just walked off. So. Yeah, but how long is that smile going to last? Well, this is the question, you it's, know, and it's, it's, it's like the highest pressure job in yeah. world sport. Yeah. And in many ways, like, can you ever win at Ferrari? If you don't deliver a championship immediately, are you on a losing curve, yeah. you know, from the outset and with the politics as it is on top, you know, in the, in the boardroom, are they given, are they going to give them the time? Are they, given, are they going to give him the freedom to, to create a team in his image? And Formula One teams aren't like a football team. You don't just put a new manager in and suddenly the players start playing better and there's that immediate kind of boost that you get from a new manager. Mm. A Formula One team is, uh, a sh you know, it's a cruise ship it's a, or a shipping tanker, you know, and the team principal is the tugboat at the front. It takes an age to turn that thing around. Yeah. It's not going to happen in a moment. So fingers crossed, but this might set back Ferrari five years. It might suddenly give them a bit of an injection and give it two years and they'll be, they'll be back there. But who knows? I feel like they're kind of clutching at straws a little bit. Like they, they need, obviously they need someone. So I don't know. I think he'll be a good team boss. I don't know all the ins and outs, but. Do you want to know, there was a, there was a really great, great tweet yesterday with everything that was coming out with all the team bosses. Do you want to know who the, um, the team boss in Formula One who's been in charge for the fifth longest time. It's fifth, a, bit of a bit, bit of a random question. Fifth longest fifth time. Fifth longest time. Uh, well, the, I wouldn't know. I don't know what I'm trying yeah. to guess. Yeah. It's Otmar, who's been in the job for nine months. And he's now been the okay. fifth longest. The fifth. So Christian Horner has been at Red Bull since the start. Then it's Franz Tost, who's been at Toro Rosso slash Alpha Tauri pretty much since the start. Mm -hmm. Then it's Toto Wolf. Then it's Gunther Steiner. Every other boss in the sport will either be in their first or second seasons running a team. So where wow. was Gunther? Was he at another team before? Uh, yeah, in history. But he was obviously joined Haas at the start. So he was their right. team principal from the start. But everybody else, 60% of the grid, their team principal will either be in their first or second seasons in 2023. Damn. That's mad. That's yeah, a crazy start. 60% of the grid. Is Formula One always like this? No. Does stuff just change? Like, no, 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 no. Because no, it's no. happening this is, like football. Yeah, but this I'm is... I'm watching this is, it like football transfers. Like. Because in the old days, Formula One was... The team principals owned the teams. You know, it was yeah. like a labor of love for them. But now 
more often than not, a team principal is an employee of the company. So they mix and match okay. and, you know, mm-hmm. people are out, people are in. Um, you know, there isn't, no, there isn't, there isn't anybody, there isn't anybody, well, apart from Toto, who's a part owner of the team, and I guess Christian to a degree, there isn't anybody who's the owner of the team. There's no one that's the sole owner of a team, like a Frank Williams or Ron Dennis used to be, or Enzo Ferrari or yeah. someone like that. There's nobody whose name is above the door so, of that team and is the team principal. So for Red Bull, it's Helmet, Helmet Marco. Uh, no, now it's complicated. It was Mataschitz, obviously, yeah. ran the whole thing. Now yeah. that he's gone, they've split it into three different people running different aspects of what Red Bull is. Okay. So there's one guy who's kind of in charge of the motorsport side of everything. And then Christian and Helmut, kind of Fair. the next level. That makes sense. Yeah. What about, um, what does this mean for Bonotto? Is he just out of the job? Yeah. And he walked away, you know, after what, 28 years at Ferrari? 28 years. Man and boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, I thought he was new. Uh-uh. I thought he was like a couple seasons in. No, so, well, he was as team principal, mm. but he started off, you know, right down the ranks and rose through all the different ranks within the team working on the engine side so he worked with michael schumacher back in the day so he should know everything he does know everything but then there's that degree of was he too invested Mm. in ferrari was he too tied up with the history and the passion and the emotion and couldn't quite separate from you know the 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 mad politics at board level within the team do you need somebody kind of from outside the madness to come in and Almost like a marriage guidance counselor. I think you, that you know, is what to kind mean. of somebody from outside to come in and say, yeah. "Well, here's where you're getting it wrong, and this is how we need to sort things out." Just from our personal opinion, I think the whole reason that Red Bull runs so well is because they hire like these young people who just got their finger on the pulse. Yeah, Christian was so Christian was like the Fred Vasseur of his day back in the day because he ran a team in Formula 3000 mm-hmm. called Arden. So Christian started out as a racing driver, right, um, and raced for Arden and then became its team principal and then brought all these brilliant young drivers in, most of whom were backed by Red Bull. So they had this association Mm -hmm. and then they wanted to launch an F1 team and they went, Christian's our guy. Mm. Let's get Christian in. And sure enough, absolutely brilliant. But you look at, of those four guys who are still in position, you know, Christian, Toto, Franz Tost and and Gunther, two of them, Christian and Toto, have won every title since 2010. Wow. Which kind of, there's, there's evidence there that, stability works if you give people the confidence and if you give people the reassurance give them the budget give them the tools to do the job that stability like in any sport you yeah know, the stability counts what about this new mclaren guy because he's got a job on his hands having lando and oscar you've got two young guys yeah and in many ways he's kind of like a binotto so he's come through the levels of engineering and has now stepped up to team boss so he would have started as just like motorsport college or something yeah he was in he was in aerospace engineering um, and so he and and then sort of rose up the ranks within Formula One, working at Ferrari, working at McLaren, done almost sort of every job on the way up, and now he finds himself team principal. So he's you know he he's he knows Formula One inside out, mm. but it's that it's that next step up, and it's interesting that you know people aren't very often brought from outside in, or even from other championships. Last time they tried that was at Alpine with David Brivio, who'd been brilliant in MotoGP, came into Alpine lasted like a year mm. and then was replaced by by Otmar. I hope our listeners know these names that you say because I'm just sitting <laughs> here and thinking, I mean, I haven't got I'm a clue sitting there. Caught on, like, 
What is this guy saying? Oh, it's not an F1. I need to rewind it. I need to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's going it's to be fascinating. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. Yourself being in the sport for such a long time, then what's your relationship like with these people? You say your buds. Would you go out for a beer with, with Toto? Uh, I've never been out for a beer with Toto. I'd love to go for a Let's beer set with Toto. So would I. So would I. I'd love to go for a beer with Toto. I, f- I think Toto is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Mm. Like he's so fascinating and also just like super calm, really, ch- really good guy, you know, from everyone that knows him well, like really, really knows him well. Says so he's just the coolest guy, just really easy going and, mm. you know, great yeah. to chat to, I think. You know, Toto seems like the kind of guy that, like, you ever had a problem, you could go to Toto and be like, Toto, what do I do? This is really stressing me out. And he'd be like... He'd say three words. Yeah, he'd be like, Will, what do you have to do? <laughs> and, and, you know, and we'd just, like, sit down, chill you out. You know, you have to look at it this way. And then we'd go, we'd go the through box. everything. Yeah, exactly. And he'd, to- and he'd totally chill you out. And you're like, know where I'm at now, Toto. Thanks, mate. Yeah, he's like so an he's, uncle, isn't he? I feel yeah, like he has uncle. control. Like, I feel like he's able to have control. He he seems like you'd trust what he says. Oh, he's got yeah, he's got it sorted. But I don't think every every principal has that. And then I also think it's interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in that like there's so many people in a team but I don't I reckon a lot of them like wouldn't want to go to team principal they probably want to stay under that level so they don't get the shit if yeah, something goes tough, wrong it's tough isn't it it's like lifting your head above the parapet yeah because you know, like, someone faces the shit from everyone totally and then there's nowhere to hide then and no. there's no excuses anymore like you and your your front and center of the press and everything else that comes with it anything that goes wrong you know you take responsibility and you look at Benotto right he could have dealt with last season in two different ways. The way he dealt with it was he said, we don't have any issues. Everything's fine. I think because he wanted to protect the team. He wanted to protect, you know, the boys and girls working at Ferrari because mm. what had existed before under the previous manager, who was a guy called Arriva Bene, who was like, there was quite a toxic culture at Ferrari and it wasn't a very happy place to be. Um, and Benotto had seen that and he went completely the other way, which was to put his arms around everybody and go, you know, we're one, we're one team, we're one family. Right. I'm not going to blame everybody for it. And so by doing that, it almost made it look like he didn't understand or didn't appreciate that there were problems like with strategy or mm. pit stops or whatever. Whereas if he'd come out and said, all right, guys, look, we've got problems, we've got issues, but I'm not going to fire anyone over it. We've got to the end of the season to make it better. And then at the end of the season, we'll decide if we need to ring the changes. Perhaps that would have yeah. reflected better because people would have gone, okay, look, he gets it. He knows there's a problem, mm. but he's going to give the, the guys time. But there was just, I guess there was just an impression or, you know, it's possible to draw the line that if he was forever insisting there was nothing wrong when the entire world could see there were major issues. He's a lunatic. <laughs> well, no, just that, like maybe he doesn't see where there's 
there's room to improve yeah. and, and maybe that was maybe that was part of it for, mm. f potentially from a board level but um now i feel for matt here because he's he's a good guy and he has turned ferrari around from being a team that had all this money all this history all this potential yeah but no results because of this toxic atmosphere that, that was created within the team he's totally turned it around and put them on the right path heaven knows what he might have been able to achieve in 23 in 24 if he'd been given the benefit of the doubt yeah yeah because i think they could have I mean, God, you know, they, they, they won races this year. They were fighting mm. for a world championship. Well, that's it, man. I think it's easy to bash him. But I mean, really, like you say, he has turned it around. They came second. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, he's done a good job. Yeah. Look, if, he'd been, if they'd been beaten by Mercedes at the end of the season, then you could imagine the Italian press and everybody calling for his head. Yeah. But I don't think anyone was calling for his head. So it's, I'm, I feel bad for him. I really feel bad for him. And he's a, he's a cool guy. Like, he's a nice guy. And he's... Mm. He's Ferrari through and through. You imagine you spend your entire working life, three decades of your life, working for the team you wanted to work for your entire life. You finally get to run it. Yeah. And then just as it's getting good, just as you have that little taste of, okay, we're on the march here. We're moving towards something mega and 23 is going to be our year. Yeah. The pressure's put on. And yeah, he quit, but he quit with a push. Yeah. You know, he jumped yeah, yeah, out yeah. of the airplane, but with a mighty shove. Surely is, this has been one of Ferrari's best years in a while. Like, totally. They've yeah. just been in a title battle. Both, both drivers have won races. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, well, you lost look, but you look, And again, I pull it back to Jean Tot, who ran Ferrari back in the 1990s. He was brought in after a period where they were changing manager every, you know, 6, 12, 18 months for years. And then in comes Jean, who'd been really successful in rallying. But he, was, he wasn't Italian. He was a French dude. And he was just like, right. What I need to do to make this team successful is build a wall between the bullshit that goes on at the board level and my team. And then I'm going to give everyone within my team a feeling of responsibility and I'm going to empower them to make decisions, which is what Toto's done at Mercedes. Mm. Very, very similar setup. And then he managed to sign the best driver in the sport, which was Michael Schumacher, coming off the back of two world mm -hmm. championships and put him in a car which wasn't competitive. And at the end of 1996, Jean said, I will quit. And Ferrari went, no, you won't. You stay. 97, they didn't win the title. 98, they didn't win the title. 99, Mika won the title. And it took until 2000 for Ferrari to start winning world, you know, Drivers' World Championships along with Constructors' World Championships. Mm -hmm. They won the double in, in 2000 and went on what was at the time the biggest run of success in Formula One history, only recently beaten by Mercedes. But that took time and mm. it took faith that he was going to turn the ship around. But it took him nearly a decade to do that. Matthias had three years. I think you know, and it's it like that, yeah. it's it's kind of mad when you think about it. Like Mercedes didn't perform this season, but no one would have been saying Toto's got to go. No, and also because they turned it around by the end. Oh yeah, I think Mercedes have come real. I'm buzzing for <coughs> this year. I, I think Same. they're going to be seriously, yeah, Jake seriously seems to think good. Next year they could be. Up oh yeah, for my prediction is Mercedes for win the championship. Next year. But it shows. So, you know, this year they had the new rules and regulations around if you won the world championship last year, you couldn't have as much time to develop your car as the teams that finished lower yes. in the order. Yep. And now obviously there's a budget cap. So in years gone by, Mercedes would have looked at their car at the start of the season and gone, right, this thing isn't working. Throw money at it, throw development time at it. And then three races later, whap, you know, we get to Europe. Mm. They turn up for the first European race. Bam, they're, they're competitive again. Mm. Couldn't do that this year. So Why? those... Oh, because, the, because they didn't have the development time, cap, yeah. didn't have the budget. So it took them almost an entire year, even a team like Mercedes, to mm. get themselves back to a place where they were able to fight for race victories on merit. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which shows that these new regs might actually work in kind of pulling everything together. Because let's imagine Red Bull have a shocker at the start of next year. Not only do they have less development time because of them being world champions this year, mm. but they've also now had it Reduction, down yeah. because of the because of the budget cap thing. But they kind of did develop this year because they weren't great at the start, were they? Totally, but they but it took them longer. So it took mm. they couldn't before they would have just thrown hundreds of millions of dollars at it and had the wind tunnel running all day, all night, CFD on the go, you know, until they fixed it. But now because they had less time, it took them longer because they had to Mm. think really, you know, really take the time to figure out, right, what's working, what's not working, how do we figure it out, where do we spend our money, where do we utilize our time? Mm. Whereas before there was no consideration on that because you could just throw everything at it. So there wasn't even a, a budget cap back in the day? No. No, 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 no. You could just spend. You could just spend, 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 yeah, spend. So I know that. I always thought there was one. They had just reduced it. No. Nope. See, yeah, that's so interesting because no now cap. it brings the teams closer together, surely. Yeah, exactly. more competitive. Yeah, with uh, with so, enough money in the sport, sure, it is going to end up that every team will probably be able to spend the budget cap. At the budget like, cap, They will yeah. all be able to spend that. They're so imagine back money. in the day, you'd have, let's say a Mercedes or a Red Bull spending 500 million a season, and you had a Williams or a, you know, Alfa Romeo slash Sauber who had... Max forty million. Mm. So you, really, yeah, was that so, the gap? Yeah, so you're on like a tenth of the budget, and yeah. you're but you're still competing within a second of those guys at the top, which showed the amazing job that they did. Yeah, very true. So I mean, it's it, is, like, it is seconds in it. It's like one totally. two seconds. But in the old days, like so, the smaller teams would think, right, our car is here. These are the development paths we could potentially take with the car, mm-hmm. but we've got to pick one. And the one that we think will deliver us the most improvement in lap time over the season, because we can only afford one. Whereas a Mercedes, a Red Bull, a Ferrari would say, there's five different routes we could take to improve the car. Let's take all five. Yeah. And throw money at all five and then figure out which one of those delivered more performance and more lap time. Mm. And surely the teams with more money, I don't know if they did, but did they ever buy ideas off other teams? No, you're not allowed to do that. Are you not? Not allowed to do that. Oh, I wonder. They could sneak around, you could, couldn't you they? Could, you, could, you, could, you, could, you, could, you could go and employ somebody from another team that you thought okay. had decent ideas. Which isn't what Fernando Alonso used to do. them in. Or he used to bring parts of his teammates over to a different team. So when, when Andrea Stella, who's now team principal at McLaren, he was at Ferrari working with Fernando. Ah. When Fernando came to McLaren, he brought Andrea with him because they loved working together. Wow. There's a, there was a great, I don't know if you saw our episode of Mark Priestley, but he told a great story oh, yeah, 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 handing yeah, yeah. out the envelopes. Yeah. That was, that was mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, actually yeah, know yeah. if anyone really knew too much about that because after he said that, the newspapers <laughs> were like, <laughs> headline, headline, headline. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of mad. It's, but, um, you know, that, that was how it was back then. Mm. And so the smaller teams fell further and further back. The bigger teams got further and further ahead to the point that, you couldn't compete if you're a smaller team. Mm. Now with these new regs, the notion is it should close everybody up. And the teams who are better at spending money, who are better at utilizing their wind tunnel time because they're used to having to make every penny count, mm. theoretically should be able to make these new cost cap regulations work for them. That's the whole the whole idea behind it. Yeah, I can see where they've done it. I just hope it does bring the whole grid together and every other team can compete. Like, I really want to see, we had Oscar on and I really want to see Oscar in yeah. that McLaren like smash it because he's an amazing driver. Hasn't he got a job though? Like, I know. But can you imagine the pressure on that kid coming in with everything that happened this mm-hmm. year yeah. and how much he's been built up and you're like, he's never even driven a lap in I a know. Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. already the expectation on this kid is vast. Like, possibly insurmountable like mm. how does he ever 
reach the level that everyone's expecting from him. Well, it was stressful enough him having to come here and set a lap on our fastest leaderboard because he had me and Jake to beat. Ooh. And to yeah, be honest that's the most you, stressful thing. Yeah, he done. rinsed you boys, didn't he? Well, only by <laughs> 1.8 seconds. Oh, yeah, but he's... And look at that. He's exactly a tenth of a second quicker than Drogovic. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So it is. <laughs> but is that a tenth or a hundredth? No, it's a tenth. It is a tenth. Yeah. I never understand how they work when they say that on TV. <laughs> so I'm the, trying to figure the, it out. The, the three decimal places afterwards, the first decimal place is a tenth, the second decimal place is a hundredth, the third one is a thousandth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously, because yeah, there's two, two letters, two numbers there, three numbers there. Yeah, yeah. so there is a tenth. Maths. You should have listened in school. Yeah, once again, we should have just listened to Will. <laughs> yeah, we got, he clearly knows everything. I don't know why. I, I want to know him. about our three new drivers. Well, we've got Nick DeVries, Sargent, and Piastri. Yep. I don't know much about Sargent at all, um, other than he's American. Yeah, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Look, he didn't smash Formula 2. He's, he's competent. He's good. He's American. Um, <laughs> he's one of those... He's kind of one of those guys who, I think, having flown under the radar and come in, could do really well. He could be a Latifi, who sort of similar kind of, kind of vein, although Latifi did a few more years in F2. Um but he's solid. He's dependable. I think it's with Logan. I don't think anyone's expecting magic from him. No. no one's expecting him to suddenly set the world on fire. So if he does, if he gets close to Albon, who we all know is phenomenal. Yeah, Albon's mm, been then amazing. It's, then it's big tick for Logan Sargent. That's yeah. it. Oscar Piastri in a McLaren. Everyone's watching him. Everyone's got their eyes on him. Everyone. Logan oh, and Williams. I, I don't think most people are going to be like expecting him. So in many less ways, pressure. Yeah, Logan is completely the polar opposite to Oscar. You know, if Oscar isn't immediately on pace with Lando, could it be potential, oh, well, this kid's not as good as everyone thought. Mm. But for Logan, if he's anywhere near Alex, he'll be fated as doing this incredible job. And as for De Vries, I mean... He smashed it. Oh, what a champion. He is <clears throat> phenomenal. Yeah. Like, he's genuinely phenomenal. Let's not forget, right? Formula 2 champion. He's a Formula E champion. Um, Mercedes reserve driver. You get one shot. Right, one chance. He's te he's bloody testing the Aston Martin on Friday morning. Jumps in the Williams on the Saturday. Out qualifies Latifi. Throws it into the points. Unreal, isn't it? Like it was and to the point that he needed to be lifted out of the car after yeah, the race on Sunday. Yeah. He was, he was knackered. Was, yeah. yeah, everything seized up on him. Like he and he took that one opportunity and turned it into a full time F1 drive. Like Killed he it. was incredible, absolutely incredible. And his job this year is basically go to Alpha Tauri absolutely destroy Yuki and and create the foundation on which he obviously hopes next decade of his career in Formula One will be built. It's it's <coughs> huge, huge for him. And not only did he beat Latifi, he actually scored points. Yes, yeah, which is points. which is massive. You know, it's not as if they were coming nineteen twenty. No. The guy's in the points yeah, on his first yeah, ever yeah, yeah. It was it was mega. And <coughs> and but that's that's Nick. Like, mm. he's such a rounded, complete driver. He's phenomenal. And I hate all this chat like, oh, he was too old. He didn't make it, you know. How old is he? Uh, like 28, 29, I think. Oh, is he old? That old? Um, yeah. But everyone's saying, oh, he's, you know, he's too old. I, like, I hate that argument. I, I think you're ready when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Whether that's 21, 25, 28, 32, doesn't matter. Like, there's nothing that says, exp well, apparently in our game, experience is a dirty word, you know. But... Nick's raced at Le Mans. He's won a Formula E championship. He's a Formula 2 champion. Why mm. is all of that a negative? Yeah. Just because he's not 21 years old. I love the fact that he's 28, 29 because he has all this experience. It makes him a better, more complete driver. 
he's ready and willing now and, and able to take his chance and mm. make the most of it. Whereas a 21 year old kid might have fluffed that opportunity. Yeah. And Nick didn't. He absolutely made everything of it. And I, I just, I love it for him. I absolutely love it for him. The way I see it is it's almost like a chef. Like he's gone and worked in a load of different restaurants, cooking different cuisines. <laughs> I like it. He went and did sushi in Japan for a year. Bingo. He went to Italy and like hand rolled pasta. And now he's at a Michelin star restaurant in London. And he's got all this skill set. Bingo. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, you know. And he's gone on MasterChef The Professionals. He's won it. And he's got his own restaurant now. It's mega. You know, that's that's it. Oh. <laughs> Will. Will. <laughs> Oi, Will, listen to this. <laughs> Only joking. We've come to the end of episode one. How are you? Are you loving it? Because I think this is probably one of the, my favourite episodes I've ever done. I love the Christmas music at the beginning. It was beautiful. Should we f- end this side of it with music as well? Yeah, yeah. Christmas let's, music. Let's end part one. We hope you've enjoyed it. Part two is even better. Um, rate the podcast five stars on your way there and hit the follow button. Will Buxton, you legend. Enjoy part two. It's about to heat up. It's about oh, to get spicy. It's going to get warm and Christmassy. <laughs> Powered by Spirit Studios.